Revelation chapter 21. I should have been turning there with you while I was turning, but it shouldn't be too terrible hard to find, right? It might, might be one of the easier locations. Revelation chapter 21. I'm just going to read two or three verses here this morning, but man, what a powerful statement. Beginning in verse number 3, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Huh. He will dwell with them. Whew. They shall be his people. Golly, man, that's us. I mean, does it make any sense to you at all that, that a, a sinner... I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have my memories of your life, but I've got my memories of mine. And that God could take something like me and include me right here. That he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Anybody looking forward to that day? There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Mm. <laughs> Neither shall there be any more pain. <laughs> no cancer. No dementia. No heart problems, no broken homes, no heartaches. <laughs> Y'all understand that great big old three-letter word, any? Won't be any more, for the former things are passed away. <laughs> he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I want to bring a message for just a few minutes this morning. I pray God would, would bless your hearts. I, I, want, I want to look at the best days are yet to come. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for the promise. Thank you that you would call us your children. Thank you. That when we wake up in the morning, we can say, good morning, Father. Thank you, God, we can lay down at night and say, thank you, Father. Thank you for the protection. Thank you for the day. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for the provisions. Thank you for a bed to lay in. Thank you for a roof over my head. Thank you, God, that, that, you're, that you've been with us throughout the day. And, God, if we wake up tomorrow morning, Father, help us to live it pleasing to you. I thank you, God, that we can wake up and look and just say, good morning. That Jesus said, wherefore we could cry, Abba, Father. God, make us usable for a day. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love. God, I pray you'd take your word this morning. Father, I'd ask you to remove anything that would hinder you from making me a usable vessel this morning. God, use all my weaknesses. Use all my mistakes and all my failures and wash it all away, God, that a holy, sovereign, righteous God could Somehow use my tongue for just a few minutes to speak to your people, God, that we might hear a word from heaven. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place as only you can do. 
God, I pray that every demon, every trouble, every trial, every heartache, every situation be banned from this campus. I pray your Holy Spirit would move in and put a hedge around this place like the one you had around Job that the devil cannot touch it, God. I pray, Father, you'd break some chains and move some mountains today, God. I pray if there's one lost in this building today, would you save a soul on this day, God? I pray you'd help us to leave chains, God. I don't want it to just be Sunday morning. God, we're not looking to check things off the box. God, we're looking for your presence in this place to come in and touch us and meet us where we are, God. Help us to walk out and change people for your glory. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, here in Revelation, John writes about the things that, that God shows him that the future holds for all of God's children. He, he writes about the things that, that are the only unfulfilled prophecy of the Scriptures, things that, that are yet to come. And, and he talks about this bright future that we have and what, what an incredible promise it is, but we don't have to wait until then to live in the promises of God. We, we don't have to wait until Jesus comes back to live in the promises of God. We don't have to wait until we get to glory to live in the goodness of God. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to live in the abundance of His grace, the fullness of His mercy, the power of His love. We don't have to wait on anything. God, God's Word says that He's our God now. He's with us now. Oh, you may feel lonely as a child of God sometimes, but you won't ever be alone. He says, there's some great times coming. I got some things in store. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of the man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. There's some days coming, but I don't plan on waiting. God says, I can live in the fullness of his word now. You know, all my life, I've heard about the good old days. Anybody heard about the good old days? Anybody talked about the good old days? I don't know that I really understand a lot of that. I hear about the good old days and how it used to be. And I know there's some good memories, but I don't know the good old days was quite so good. I mean, you ain't got too, even back just right before my time, they didn't have air conditioning. They ain't too much good about that. I mean, I might get by without a radio or a television, especially today the television's become the devil in your house. But um, it comes to air conditioning, that's pretty important. But I don't know, I mean, I look back, things couldn't have been all that good because I always hear him talk about the stories of World War II. I hear about all of the, the problems here and the rations of food. I even learned because of COVID, that wasn't the first time the church had ever been shut down. It was shut down several years ago. That wasn't the first time that ever happened when they had to get people. I, you know, I think of Korean War. I, I think of Vietnam. I think of a lot, a lot of lost family members that come through things. I think of discrimination in our country. I think of the separation of God's people. I think of division. I think of all the turmoil that was taking place here. What's so good about the good old days that we want to go back to? I'm just sitting here a lot of things about, about how it used to be and how a lot of people want, want to go back there. I've heard people talk about the church and how they wish the church was just the way it used to be. I got news for you. There was adultery in the church back then. There was whoremongers in the church back then. There was sinners sitting in here back then. There was implants by the devil sitting around sowing discord amongst the brethren back then. There ain't never been a day since right after the church began there in Acts 
when the Holy Spirit descended and fell upon the ground, that Peter got up and preached and 3,000 souls were saved. After that, it says they began to sell stuff and they were all together in one accord. That didn't even last for a chapter. And they start dealing with problems in the church. Before you know it, they got people complaining. The Grecian-born ones complaining because the widows aren't being taken care of. You don't go a few months into it after the road to Damascus. The Apostle Paul starts writing letters to the church about problems in the church, about discord in the church, about busybodies in the church, about people buried up in Facebook in the church, putting all the nose in somebody else's business, bringing it in, talking about everything except the goodness of God. I don't know that it was all so good back then. Everybody talks about this church. I've heard it said about this church. Oh, I just wish we could go back to where we were. Well, I don't. I, I don't. I'm just telling you straight up, I don't. I don't care one thing about being yesterday's church because God wants us to be today's church. I want to be what God wants us to be today. But I want to be everything that God wants us to be today. I don't mind being the church that used to do Judgment Journey, but if God wants us to do Judgment Journey, I want to be the church that does it. But I'll tell you this, I need you to pray for this staff because I do not have an answer. And we're not going to put $200,000 in those woods and do just Judgment Journey just because we want to. Just because the community expects us to. Just because people wish we would. I want to know that that's what God wants us to do. And if that's what God wants us to do, Thousands will be saved again, and tens of thousands' lives will be changed. But if we go down and do it our own, we're sounding brass and tinkling cymbals, and nothing good comes. I don't want to be yesterday's church. God's not calling us to be yesterday's church. If he wanted us to be yesterday's church, he would have frozen time and left us right there. I just wonder if there's anybody that, that is so perfect that you don't need to change. I just wonder, is there anybody that is so close to God that you can't possibly get any closer so there's no reason to change? I just wonder if there's anybody that is, that is so fully arrived that, that they, you don't need to change one thing in your life. Because the only way to get from where we are to where God wants us to be is to grow. And the only way to grow is to change. Same thing true with the church, because the church is just us. We, the church is made up of you and I. You know, in the book of Esther, incredible story, and how Esther, that little Jewish girl, has become queen, and she's living there in Shushan at the palace. And, and y'all know the story, probably. If you don't, I'll, I'll bump it briefly. How Mordecai, her uncle, heard the story that Haman had had the king sign that decree that is going to kill all of the all of the Jews, all all of the, the the Hebrew people, and how Mordecai sends the message to her, and and he says, "Listen, you got to go in and talk to the king. There's a decree out here that that we're all going to be killed, and and you've got to go and do something about it." And she says, "Now you know the law. Y'all know I'm paraphrasing, right? You know the law." You, you know I can't go before the king. I, I, you can't just go into the presence of the king. You have to be called. If you go into his presence without being called, I, I could be killed. Mordecai says, I got news for you. If you don't go in there, you can be killed. He says, you think you're going to escape this? You, you, you think living there in the palace? Let, let, me, let me just read it. 
He sent a message back, what he says in chapter 4 and verse number 13. He says, Think not thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He says, If thou all together, anybody listening? If thou all together holdest thy peace at this time, don't miss this, then shall there be an enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. What he said is, God will deliver his people with you or without you. God's will will be done. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You and I have been prepared our entire lives for such a time as this. Today is not a day that caught God off guard. Today is not a time or a season. Matter of fact, it's all prophesied. All the church ages are there. God knows exactly where we are in time. I can tell you something else. God knows exactly when he's coming back. He's just the only one that knows it. God help us. Of course, a good thing we don't know when he's coming back, isn't it? God has spent our entire lives preparing us for today. And God's will will be done with us or without us. God doesn't need us. God wants us. God wants to use us. Here's the beauty of it. He wants to use us to bless somebody else so he can reward us for doing what he did. That, that's just how good God is. Anybody that is looking backwards will never fulfill what God has in store for them because they're focusing on what no longer matters. That's what it took to get us to hear. I've said it a lot of times before. Everything that has happened to us in our past from a baby all the way up to yesterday, everything that has happened in our past is to prepare us to make us who we are today. Every victory, every defeat. It took them both. Every sunrise, every sunset. Every good day, every bad day. Every mountain high, every valley low. Every storm that we've been through. Every bright and sunny day. It took it all together. That's what the Holy Spirit was talking about when he wrote Romans 8, 28 through the hand of the Apostle Paul. That all things work together for good to them who are the called. For, for them who are called according to his purpose to them that love God. That's, that's what he's talking about. That all things work together for good. The fact is, change is necessary if we're going to be what God wants us to be. We can't get any closer to God if we don't change. People ask the question, usually in a sarcastic way, usually somebody trying to refute the goodness of God, but, but they ask the question, is there anything that God can't do? Well, the truth is yes. There's actually a lot of things that God can't do. First and foremost, <laughs> he can't remember my past. He can't remember my sins anymore. He looks down through the blood of Jesus Christ and all he sees is white and clean out of this filthy vessel. All he sees is the image of his son, Jesus Christ, when he looks down through the blood. He can't see me for who I was. He only sees me for who I am, a child of the living God. He can't remember my past. He, he, he can't be mean. 
when, when our parents disciplined us as children, they weren't being mean. They were correcting us to make us better. God says he has to chasten us from time to time. He's not being mean. He doesn't have the ability to be mean. God cannot forsake his children. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is a God who cannot lie. Just another thing to put there on the, on the can't list. He, he can't not love his children. He can't hold back blessings on those. He said, prove me now herewith if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there be not room enough to receive it. God has to keep that promise. If you're faithful before God, he's faithful before us. But another thing that God cannot do, God cannot guide a ship that won't sail. God cannot guide direction of something that isn't moving. Change is necessary. If we were still in the past, I, I was thinking, I just, a couple of things, brief. I, I was thinking if we were still in the past, then, then nothing would have changed. I, I mean, just, if, if we just wanted to be, how, how far back you want to be? Everybody's been a good old days, you want to be in the past? How far back you want to be? Somebody give me a number. You got a number? How far back do we have to go to get to what the good old days is? They got to go back further than 60 years. I know that part. So, so somebody older than me, tell me, how, how far? Or maybe somebody read it in a book and you know, how far back have we got to go to, to get back there? Because however far we got to go, think about this. However many people have been saved from then until now are still lost and on their way to hell. However many children were not born yet, including me, because it was before I was born, are still unborn children. I'm just saying however far back, there, there's been a lot of things that happened. There's been a lot of dreams that have come true that, that if we got to go back, then, then they're still just dreams. John F. Kennedy said, change is the law of life. Change is the law of life. Those who look only to the past or the present are certain to miss the future. The truth is our best days are ahead of us because it took everything in our past to get us to where we are to be what God has us to be for such a time as this. So many people spend so much time looking back because they think they have nothing to look forward to. But we know that our best is yet to come. But we don't have to wait until to get to heaven to be everything that God wants us to be. Steve Jobs, he's an American businessman. I would call him a genius. I don't know that he is, but, but an American businessman, one reason I would call him a genius, he's known, he's called the pioneer of the personal computer revolution. Pretty smart cat, right? Obviously with a dream. I'm sure he probably never saw us with a computer in our pocket when he thought about a personal computer. What do you think? Y'all don't agree? I, I, he probably wasn't thinking about riding down the road. I'm going to set all your phones off and say, hey, Siri, and ask it a question, and it talks to you through your car radio and answers it. I mean, we're all brilliant. Do y'all know that? Man, ask me anything you want to know and give me time to ask Siri. I'll give you an answer. I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking that far ahead, but it had to start somewhere. So anyway, here's what he said. Here, here, here's a quote from him. For the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? Somebody stops and wait. What did he say? You missed that. I want to make sure everybody understood. This is the first half of what he says. If today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? Whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, 
I know I need to change something. Man, what a question to ask ourselves every morning. There's a lot of people that are living in a rut. They know they need to change something. They, they, they know they're stuck there. They, they feel like this is the place where life has brought them and it dropped them off and, and they have no way out. You know there's people in the Bible like that? You know there's people in the Word of God that they feel like this is where life has brought them? I had it good, I've had, my, I've had my ups, I've had my downs, I've had my good times, but this is where life has brought me, and this is where I'm at, this is where I'm going to live out my life. Whatever God has done in my past, that's the best it could be, but now I'm here and I have nothing else to be used for. You know who one of those people was? Moses. Mo- Moses is one of those that, that my best days are yet behind me. Exodus chapter 20, we have the story. I know you, you know the story of, of Moses, but... I was talking with somebody yesterday that really kind of knew some bits and pieces, but not too much. So I don't want to spend a lot like I'm trying to teach Sunday school. But I want to make sure that, that everybody understands that they're in the book of Exodus. And you know how the Hebrew children are, were, were made slaves there under, under Pharaoh because there were so many of them that Pharaoh was scared that they were going to take over all of Egypt. So he made them slaves. And then he passed that decree that every male-born Hebrew Pay attention, it's going to be important you keep up with Hebrew. Every male-born Hebrew was to be killed at birth, and that is the season when God decides to send a male-born Hebrew into the kingdom of Egypt. It's just like God to send it right in the face of adversity, isn't it? So you know how God sent him and his mother had him hid, had to take the, her daughter, took hit him in the bulrush, and hey, cried when Pharaoh's daughter came down, and she took him, and so he goes into the palace, and he is raised up there in the palace. He has everything that life has to offer. I mean, if he were living in today's world, he's got more money than Bill Gates' son. He's got all that he can wear, whatever he wants to wear. I mean, he can buy the most expensive pair of holy jeans on the market. He can buy the most worn-out-looking pair of old ratty tennis shoes for $400. Stuff we used to throw away, they, they charge fortunes for Glory to God, Daddy, why didn't you tell me to keep all my old work clothes back in all them days of moving mobile homes? I got more wore-out, greasy, nasty-looking stuff. I could be a millionaire if I'd have kept all that junk. My shoes used to look so bad one day I had a pair of shoes. I ain't had them a month. Little girl, Mama, come in there, and she's talking. And I said, what's that? She said, she said, Mama, we need to go buy him a pair of shoes. She had no idea what we were making that day. All she knew was my shoes and my holes had, my shoes and my holes had, had boots in them. My, my shoes and my, and my pants had holes in them, and they wasn't that old. So he, he had the money to buy whatever he wanted. He could look however he wanted. He could have whatever cell phone he wanted. He could have 14 Ferraris parked out there just for looks. He, he's in the, the, the king's house. He has everything that the world says you ought to desire, but he has an empty spot inside. There's a lot of people out there right now. Some of them's got money. Some of them don't, but they're drinking, they're drugging, they're doing everything they can. They're looking for something. There's a hole inside because they do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in there. Something's missing, but they don't know what it is. Moses was a Hebrew. He's not an Egyptian. He's born there in it, and, and he's missing something. So one day in defense of a Hebrew, he kills an Egyptian. That's not good. <clears throat> because he is a Hebrew, that is an automatic death sentence. A Hebrew doesn't touch an Egyptian, much less kill him. 
So what he did to try to help a Hebrew, God's people, right? Y'all picked up on that part. God's children. God's chosen. What he did to try to help one of God's chosen just got him in trouble. Now Pharaoh wants to kill him, so he's got to run. He's got to flee, so the next time we find him, he's on the backside of the Midian Desert. He's sitting at a well of water, and the Bible says in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 16 that the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water, for the, to water their father's flock. It says that the shepherds came and drove them away, so obviously they're pretty hard on these women. Obviously this priest has a lot of daughters, has to take care of his and and the other men's sons are rude to them. But it says that Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Now, when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you come so soon today? Look at verse number 19. And they said, Who helped us? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. Moses has been so well-groomed all of his life. I mean, he's got manicured nails, his hair's in place, everything is perfect. He is so well-dressed in Egyptian clothes that they mistook him for being an Egyptian. Lord, help me preach another message. That'd be a good one to preach right there. If you don't want to be identified as trouble, don't hang around trouble. I'm just telling you, you're going to be identified by what you hang with. Verse number 20, the priest said unto his daughters, where is he? Why is it that you left the man? He's like, man, this sounds like a pretty good dude to have around. Call him that he may eat bread. Moses was content. See, that's another important word we'll look at in a minute. He was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. That's who we are as Christians. We are strangers in a strange land. There's a brighter day coming. There's a new hope coming. Behold, I will make all things new. There, there's a time coming, but right now we are a stranger in a strange land. The, the name Gershom there means refugee. Moses was living in the palace. He had the finest of everything that there was to offer. And now here he is living in the wilderness, tending sheep for his father-in-law. And he names his first child a name that says, I'm a refugee. Well, it doesn't sound like Moses has very many thoughts of my best days are ahead of me, does it? Doesn't sound like my best days are yet to come. Doesn't sound like, boy, it's all good right here. I'm excited to see my future. He says, I went from living in the king's palace with everything there was to taking care of my father-in-law's sheep out here in this wilderness. Now, see, I know for some of us, I'll be honest, probably could say for most everybody, if not everybody, but certainly for a lot of us, is it fair to say life didn't turn out quite like we drew it up on paper? I mean, is everybody everything that you thought you'd be when you're little? How many of you are 40-year-old retired millionaires? Because if you are, Miss Sylvia, don't you check their tithing records? Because it ain't coming here. You know, there's a lot of unfulfilled dreams. We thought we knew how life was going to be because we were going to make it that way, right? But then we found ourselves in the wilderness. We found ourselves a long way from everything that, that we imagined it to be. You know, kind of like Moses here, Mo, Moses didn't really do anything wrong. He took up 
for a Hebrew. Well, he did murder. I guess he did do something wrong. But, you know, you don't have to be out of the will of God to find yourself in the wilderness. You don't have to be living life out of the will of God to feel like you've been put on the shelf. I can take a minute and share part of my own story just to kind of help some of you understand. But there, there was a time that I felt like I was growing faster than I ever had. I felt like I was growing a lot faster then than I am now. I felt like I struggled tooth and nail in the Word of God now, wanting to learn more, wanting to learn more. I mean, I, there was a time when I, I felt like I was growing closer to God faster than I ever had. And God begins to let me do things. God, God begins to allow me to preach over at the men's shelter over here on uh, uh, Pastor Max. And, and God allows me to begin to go on some mission trips. And before you know it, God has me preaching and he's letting me not only go and preach the gospel, but go and represent the Lighthouse Children's Home and try to raise support for the children. And God's letting me do things and let me go on these trips. Matter of fact, 2012. I went on 12 mission trips. Ten of them I carried people with me so that other people go on mission trips. And we were in Costa Rica and Panama. And I loved what God was letting me do. I loved where I was at. And all of a sudden, God said, go home and stay home. Go to Faith Baptist Church and stay there. I'm like, what I do wrong? I called Pastor Max. Matter of fact... I had a meeting a couple weeks ago. He's asked me to be on the board of directors for the men's shelter. It's amazing how God cycles things back around, isn't it? That's one of the beginning of the ministries. And now I've always been amazed at the Bible History Center. And I've been on that board of directors for a couple of years. It's amazing to me how God doing And he cycles this back around that Pastor Max would ask me that. But we, we just had a discussion a couple of weeks ago about when I called Pastor Max. I said, well, I can't come preach over anymore on Wednesday nights. He's like, What? Man, the, the, the men over here have got to have you, man. I'm mean, like, brother, I promise you if I come, I'll be no good. I'll, I'll be in your way. God said I got to stay home. I got to stay home. Then, then he tells me to, to stay home and don't go on any more mission trips. He says, you stay right here. I mean, I, I felt like I was growing. I felt like I was doing things right. I was far enough along in, in Bible college that I was working on my doctorate degree. And I'm, and I'm thinking, God, what did I do wrong? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you feel like you've been you put on a shelf and, and you're just waiting. So I was here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I was right here, but it made no sense to me. For 20 years as a Christian, I've sat on a pew. For 20 years as a child of God, I sat there and did nothing. For 20 years, I read my Bible and prayed a little bit in the morning. That's about it. I wasn't going to do anything in a church. I wasn't going to be used by God. And now, for a little better than seven years... God has allowed me to do things that, that I thought was for his glory, and now he's put me on a shelf. And you're like, man, was that all life had? God, did I mess up so bad that you just you, you put me back? on Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been in the wilderness? You ever wondered what you did wrong? You were maybe even trying to live for God, and you find yourself in a wilderness area. You find yourself in a place you're like, what, what did I do? Listen, listen, never forget that God never wastes time. God never wastes time. When, when God says, be still and know that I am God, he doesn't mean be slothful. He doesn't mean be still and be lazy, be still and do nothing. He means be still and pray. Be still and read. Be still and learn. Be still and seek my face. Just don't go anywhere. I had told you where to go. 
Don't go left, don't go right. Stand still and seek me right where you are. Look, look for everything here, just, just be still. But, but in God's economy, waiting time is growing time if you are reading God's word and spending time in prayer. So if God has you still and you're reading his word and you're spending time in prayer, it is a growing season. God is preparing us for something. I don't know. I just feel like, there's nothing that tells me, I just feel like Moses has to feel like he's been put on a shelf. If you're living in the king's palace, you got to feel like you got a little bit of authority. I mean, certainly if he says something to a Hebrew, they got to do what they're told. He probably has a pretty good pull over the Egyptians. Anybody agree with that? I mean, I'm thinking he's got a little bit of leverage where he's at. So you would tend to think that with the leverage that he has, living where he lives with the power and with the pull, I mean, mom is the Pharaoh's daughter. You know, dad, y'all know how we are with daughters, man. They got us. Mine ain't here. That's the only reason I say that today. If y'all tell her I said that, I will deny it. Don't you let her know where I'm at. I mean, it, so, so this, this daughter has this guy, so you know he's got to have some pull there. You got to feel like he could, he could do something. But now all of a sudden he finds himself here in the wilderness. It says in chapter 2 that he watered the flock for the priest of Midian, for the daughters that came out. I told you that word content. It says that he was content to live with him. There is a big difference between being content and being excited. I don't want to live my life content for the things of God. I don't want to live my life content for the glory of God. And I know right now some of you are already thinking Hebrews 13, 5 says, Be content with such things as you have. That's talking about covetousness. That's talking about worldly things. Be content. With such you have. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We are to be content with worldly things. We are to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. So, so we are to be content with where we are on worldly things. Here with Moses, we, we see his feeling of uselessness. We see that he doesn't have any inclination that there's any way he can be used by God. Chapter 3, verse 7, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them. I am come down. Boy, that's the big key right there. Moses, I don't want you to do anything except what I tell you. I'm the one that's come down. I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good land, good land and large to a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse number 10, if you look at it, it says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Doesn't sound like that's what he's been waiting on, does it? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? And, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And, and then after that, we hear all of Moses' excuses as to why I can't do that. Anybody ever tried giving God those excuses? You can say, I can all you want. And you'll let awake all night long and say all the I can't you want. 
that all God's going to answer it every single time. I know you can't, but I can. I didn't call you because you can. I called you because I can. I didn't give you something to do because you can do it. I gave you something to do to shut your mouth and listen to me and, and do it. So, so what we have here is Moses saying, but, 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 but I can't. So here's the deal. At 40 years of age, Moses decides to deliver God's children his way. And he tries to break up a fight, and he winds up killing an Egyptian. Now for another 40 years, which is a number, by the way, number 40 is trials and testings. But for another 40 years, here's he's been. He's been over here in, in the wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And at 80 years old, Moses has got his mind made up that this is what life has to offer. This is where I'm going to live the rest of my life. But what Moses didn't realize is that his best days were yet to come. God's been doing something in him. He thought he was just sitting over there in the wilderness watching time go by, just like a lot of us don't realize why we aren't seeing things like we want. But what Moses was, was doing, Moses was in training. God was teaching. See, here, here's about the best way I know to put it. When Moses killed that Egyptian and Pharaoh was going to kill Moses, he was scared. So Moses, in just a matter of minutes and hours, Moses got himself out of Egypt. But it took God to get Egypt out of Moses. What, what, did, what did the daughters of the priest tell their father? Who came? An Egyptian. He was so groomed. He was so full of Egypt that they went and told their dad an Egyptian came and helped us. But when he left Midian, headed back to Egypt, whoo, nobody mistook him for an Egyptian. God has got all that stuff out of his system, so he's not going back in the power of Moses. He's going in the power of God. I'm just telling you, you and I, some of us have been saved a long time. Some of you a lot longer than me, some not as long. It takes God a while to get the world out of us. It took the blood of Jesus that long to get us out of the world. We've got a home waiting for us. We read about it in Revelation, but it's taken a while to get, to get the world out of us. Many times. Many times God does his greatest work in the wilderness places. Many times God does his greatest work in, in the dark times. When we feel alone, washed up. When, when we feel like, like, like we're broken. Anybody ever been broken? Had that conversation with somebody else that I've been broken. And I tried to remember that quote that I heard somebody say that God can't use you greatly until you've been broken deeply. I think that's the way it goes. Sometimes God has to break us of some things. Many times we feel like we're washed up and everything is done. But when we feel like we're done, God's just getting started. When we feel like we have nothing to offer, we finally got to a place where God can use us. When we finally got a spot where we know we ain't nothing and I have nothing, I can't do anything and understand that, that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, the key word there is through Christ. For without him, I can do how much? Nothing at all. The wilderness. I think about wilderness places. I think about times in life. You know, wilderness places, that's not things that we had on our bucket list when we were coming along, right? Anybody have a bucket list? Every you had some things you wanted to do? Being in the wilderness area, that's not one of the things we were looking to check off. 
I mean, living in the dark times or, or, or being out, that, that's not the kind of things that we sat around and daydreamed in school when the teacher was talking about math or something, whatever it was they tried to teach us. That's not the kind of things we were dreaming about. That's not the things we dreamed about at night, about, about being in dark places and hard times. But it's the places that we least expected where God can do the greatest things in our lives. I, I, wrote, I wrote this down yesterday. I, I, I apologize, y'all. I'm going to send you something. I'm not going to share it right now because I was supposed to send y'all a message Friday. Somebody probably needed it. And I thought I'd wait and share it this morning, but God showed me this morning. It wasn't for this morning. I'll, I'll send it later. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm to put it out. Whoever needed some help Friday and you didn't get it, um, I'll, just have to, I'll just have to ask you to forgive me, and, and maybe God will bring it back around. But God showed me something yesterday just talking about being alone. And anybody ever felt alone? You know what I'm talking about? Matter of fact, as a child of God, the closer you try to get to God, the more alone you're going to feel a lot of times. One of the things you're going to learn is, is that if, if you're trying to get close to God and you want to talk about God, there's a very small audience that you can talk to. And I'm, I'm including even in the church. I'm, I'm including even with Christians. There's a very small group of people that, that want to talk about what you want to talk about if you want to talk about the things of God. But God showed me something that I think will help somebody besides me. That sometimes God has to remove everybody out of your life. Sometimes God has to remove all the noise and remove everybody so that you do feel alone so that you'll stop listening to everybody else. Sometimes God needs to get us to a place where he simply removes the competition where he removes the noise. I'm talking about the noise of friends. I'm talking about the noise of other Christians. God does not want you listening to anybody else over him. And sometimes it involves a wilderness place of silence where you don't have anybody else to really get advice from that you can see because God don't want you going there. God wants us going to him. Moses is 80 years old. He no longer has the strength of his youth. He no longer has the wealth of, of Egypt there at his fingertips. He, he's no longer, praise God, he's no longer mistaken as an Egyptian. But in, in his mind, in his mind, he, he's that gallon of milk that you found back in the back of the refrigerator that its expiration date was when? And today is what? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and here, we're, we're so intelligent. So oh. Thank God I can't smell, so I don't have to worry about that. I have to taste it. <laughs> okay, so that really don't happen much at our house. My wife keeps things a little too neat and orderly for that. But, you know, there, there is that thing, expiration date. I'm, I'm just thinking, he, he has to think at 80 years old, 40 years in the wilderness. Now he's a shepherd. He's not in, in the palace. I'm just thinking he has to be like past that expiration date, 80 years old. But I, I was looking while, while he's sitting there thinking that he is of no use to God. He says, who am I? I can't because of this. I can't because of that. But yet it's, it's through the hand of Moses that God sent the ten plagues on Egypt. It's through the hand of Moses that, that God delivered them out of Egypt. 
It's through the hand of Moses that God parted the Red Sea. It's through the hand of Moses that God puts manna on the ground. It is through the hand of Moses that God springs water from the rock at Horeb. It is through the hand of Moses that, that God leads his people. God has put that same kind of gift in you. God has that same ability and God can do the same kind of works through you, through us, through this church. God has given you gifts. God has given you talents. God has given you desires for a reason. The things that you desire inside are for a reason. If it's out of your comfort zone, there's your first clue that God said do it. If it's right down your alley, that's you. If you know it's out of your comfort zone and God says do it, and yet it's out of your comfort zone, you know you can't do it on your own. Glory to God. You're at the place Moses was. You're about to be used by God to do something great because he don't need you doing what you know you can do. He needs us doing what he tells us to do. Every one of us has dreams. Every one of us has gifts. Every one of us has different talents, different, different qualities about us. Everybody has different passions, things we desire. I don't have yours. The person sitting around you doesn't have yours. The people living around you in your community, they don't, they don't have yours, but you do. You have what God gave you to be you, to be used by him. If you're trying to be anybody else, you're wasting your time. And God's too. You be who you are. God made that very clear to me. I tried to explain all that to him about pastor why I couldn't be anything. I tried to explain to him about what an incredible pastor this church had in Charles Chapman. And we all know that to be the truth about what a godly man and how he cared for everybody. And he knew everybody by name. Does that not amaze y'all? I mean, you'd be everywhere. you see people. I mean, he knew everybody, first name, last name. He knew what color shoes they had on last year. He knew all about their family, mom and them. He knew. It's amazing to me. I'm like, God, I don't know how to do that. I went through a list of three or four people. God, I don't know how to do that. And he made it very clear. If I'd have wanted two of somebody, I'd have made two of somebody. I made you to be you. Just like you are. You just do what I say do. I don't know how I got off into that. You're you. You have everything that you have because God put it there. And God has done everything in your past to bring you where you are today to be used by God. People spend so much time looking in the past. On both sides of the fence, they look at past failures. They look at past mistakes. They look at past heartaches and, and trouble. But, but then they look at past successes. You know, a lot, of, a lot of... If I pause right there and just don't say what I thought, am I okay or have I got to say it now? Some people need to grow up. What you used to be and what you are. Glory to God. That we're living in past victories, past things that we thought, because they were worldly things. We accomplished something. We, we thought that meant something. So people are living so much in the past, but everything in the past, all those were, were training periods. It's not the past that we're to be focused on. People that live in the past will never do anything great in the future unless they turn around and face forward. We can't do anything great for the glory of God if we're always looking back. So, so whatever it is that we're stuck in in the past, it's time to move past it. Well, whatever it is that's holding us back there, it's time to get to here. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm looking around. I'm checking out my seniors. Y'all love me, don't you? I don't know how much 
I don't know how many flowers I need to give y'all to build you up before I say it. I love y'all. I mean, y'all are like the ones that built the church, right? Y'all brought us to here. Yeah, the, the truth is, if you're a living, breathing human being, then you're usable by God. If you are, everybody go, yeah, don't do a breath check. Don't, don't breathe in. Y'all, anybody feel in the air? Some of you didn't move. Y'all dead? If you feel breath, then you are not past your expiration date. And if you're not past your expiration date, then God still has a plan for you. Oh, we may not can run a marathon anymore. We may not can leap tall buildings in a single bound and outrun a locomotive or whatever all that Superman stuff does. God didn't ever need all that in the first place. All he needed was a surrendered heart. And sometimes, maybe just that we're old enough now that we can't do those things, that we have to do what God gives us because we can't do anything else by ourselves when I got too old and decrepit. I got up the other night. All we did was some stuff around the house. I got up and Robin looked at Katie. She said, he's walking like he's been riding a horse all day. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Your day's coming. Your day's coming. You ain't feeling it yet. I'll get stretched out in a minute and start walking a little more normal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get up from the time. All I'm doing is getting up from the table. That was part of my problem. Been at the table too much to to go get some more water. And and oh, I done sat down in a chair too long at the end of the day. So so we've got to the point that we can't do much anything by ourselves. So God just now got us to where we're usable because He understands how useless we are without Him. I keep forgetting all about. It. I'm supposed to be preaching this message. Moses, 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 Moses. Moses is the man that, that God used to do some of the most incredible miracles of, of all of the Bible. I mean, they're, they're Jesus-caliber miracles. They're raised-the-dead-caliber miracles, amazing miracles. Moses is the man that God himself gave the Ten Commandments to. He gave him the details for building the tabernacle of God. Moses is the man that, that God came down and he talked to, and he was so close to him that when Moses got back and talked to the people, they were afraid of him because the glow of God was shining off his face so much that they were afraid of him. This is the same man that the Holy Spirit used to write the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Holy Word of God. It's the same man, and that same man said, Who am I? I, I, I can't do any of that. See, God was bigger than Moses' failure, and he's bigger than ours. He was bigger than Moses' weaknesses, and he's bigger than ours. He was bigger than Moses' trials. He's bigger than ours. He was bigger than the wilderness where Moses was living, and he's bigger than ours. He was bigger than all the obstacles that life put ahead of Moses. He's bigger than our obstacles. He's bigger than anything that the world or the devil puts in front of us. Yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, we've fallen short. But God has invested so much into us. God has invested so much time. However old you are, God has invested that many years. However many trials, however many valleys you've walked through, however many obstacles God's had to bring you through, God has invested all of that into you and I 
to make us who we are. But God's not anywhere near finished. Somebody said, I don't know who, I'd tell you who. It says the reason your car has such a big windshield and such a small rear view mirror is because what's behind you isn't nearly as important as what's in front of you. The past can't be changed. But what we do with today and the future, as long as Jesus tarries and leaves us here, is yet to be determined. When we get tomorrow, when we get to tomorrow, if we want to be able to look back on the past and see anything successful for the glory of God, then we had to have done something successful for the glory of God today. If we want tomorrow to have a brighter past, then we've got to work more for the glory of God today. Does that make sense to anybody? Horace Brown Jackson, Horace Jackson Brown Jr. Um, yeah. It's Horace Jackson Brown. It's got it right there wrong. You, you may not know him. Anybody know the, um, Life's Little Instruction books? Anybody have any of those? You know, little books, Life's Little Instruction books? I see a couple people shake the Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know Life's Little Instruction? Somebody raise your hand. Let me know. A few of you. Anyway, so he, he's the dude that, that wrote these things. But here's what he said. The best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. John F. Kennedy said it like this, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. See, we can say thank you all the time, but if we're truly grateful for what God has done, we ought to be living it, not saying it. Thank you with our life means a million times more than thank you with our words. So what God wants is to see us live it in our life. Greg, you come and I saw Greg move. The rest of y'all come on up here with Greg. We'll, let, let, me, let me read a couple of passages real quick from Revelation and, and we'll be done. Revelation chapter 19. It says in verse 11, it says, I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. Somebody ought to get excited about this little passage. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Makes me think of a picture I saw this week <laughs> and a story from this week. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man, no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him. Upon white horses. If you don't know how to ride, you better go get you some lessons because we're coming clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the wine press of the fierceness from the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written <laughs> King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our text says there in chapter 21 that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any 